You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. Welcome back to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. It's been a little while since we've been on the air, but we are back. We got a fall season ahead, guys. Lots of football to talk about and lots of action going around, uh, around in the recruiting world. Uh, what do we want to start with, Farrell? We want to talk about Tate Martell and his situation? We want to talk about how cranky I am. Oh, okay. How cranky are you? Very, very, very cranky. Yeah, it usually it's makes the winter re- that makes me cranky, but here it is the summer. So I had a couple of good months, and now it's fallen all apart again. So I'm ready to rip Tate Martell and the rest of the world apart. So we well, can always start makes there for a better one. Sure, yeah, it always makes for a better podcast when you're cranky. So, well, let's hear. What do you What do you think? Do you think he uh, is going to transfer? Do you think he should transfer? Well, do we know if he actually blew up the locker room, Gorney? We don't know if he blew up the locker room. I saw his nameplate on the ground and mm-hmm. a picture about it, but he was back at uh, back at practice and ready to go. So he missed a day, right? He missed Monday's practice. Yeah, as far as I can no tell. Talked about it. Probably a, probably an illness. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Not hurt feelings or anything like that? <laughs> now, you're the That's... biggest Tate Martell defender on earth, so I'll, I'll let you chime in in a second. Uh, I don't think you should transfer. I think you should suck it up. I think you should grow up and, and accept his role right now and be there for the team when they need him and work hard to try to win the job back. Um, you know, he's already committed to three schools throughout his recruitment. We know he was a bit of a prima donna throughout that process. Um, You know, at Ohio State, I heard the first year he was there, he was thinking about leaving already. Uh, He stuck it out for another year. Justin Fields comes in, then he transfers to Miami. Great, you know, but now it's time to, to suck it up and put on your big boy pants, take the demotion. It's not even a demotion because he was never the starter. And, uh, and move forward. Did you see my amazing quote yesterday, Gorney? I, I missed that one. Okay, so this was me. Made, made this up. Ready? And Dave, get ready as well, because you guys are going to be blown away. How about this? Don't be a snowflake. Be ice that refuses to melt. Huh? Ice that refuses to melt? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, it's, it's average at best. Oh. Wait, God. did you come up with that yourself? I did. I almost quoted myself. Can we? We need to put that on a picture of you. Uh, can, can put the, put the quote on there. Let's get Lucero to do that. And then, <laughs> that of would course, be good. a couple of my colleagues commented on the snowflake mentioned because they're snowflakes and they don't like that term at all. But, <laughs> um, you know, that's that's what it is. You know, suck it up. Don't be a snowflake. Be ice that refuses to melt. Well, the ice that refuses to melt part, I don't get. It's the best I could do. What do you want from me, Gorney? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you think I'm I like some Tate sort Martona? of scholar and some smart-like person? <laughs> no, definitely not. That's the best I could do. So so defend Tate Martell. Go ahead. The, I'm not defending him. All I'm saying <laughs> is a few things. One, he shouldn't transfer because he's clearly the best quarterback on that roster. Two... Uh, Manny Diaz has made it clear that uh, there could be multiple quarterbacks playing in the first game. I think Florida's defensive line is going to eat up Jaron Williams early on. And much like, and I think Dave Barry was at this game, 
when Bishop Gorman came to Anaheim Servite, Tate Martell's sophomore year. He wasn't the starter in that game, but he came in in the second half, led the team back to victory, and then I believe only lost one other high school game in two and a half years. So yeah. the the kid is an absolute winner. There's yeah. no doubt about it. The kid's a winner. Yeah. He wants to win. He wants to play. I don't think he should transfer because I think he's the best quarterback on that roster. Um, and he's going to play probably in the season opener against Florida and probably do much better than Jaron Williams. But there seems to be this uh, Twitter hatred. hate, yep. Twitter hatred of Tate Martell There's a hatred. F- from people who have never met him, don't know anything about him, right. much like there was for Josh Rosen, probably for different reasons. Yep. Um, but every quarterback is a prima donna. Every quarterback no. thinks they're the best player. No. Every single one from Tom Brady down thinks no. they're the best. And he's just he just has the stones to say it. Okay, first of all, guys that peak in high school end up mowing my lawn once a week. So no one said who says he peaked in high school. I just said he peaked in high school, and you're talking about his sophomore year where he led a great comeback off the bench and never lost a game in high school. That was a hundred years ago. Now, That's bought, fine. I, he just I, needs his opportunity. I bought into the Tate Martell thing, as you know. You did. I did. It took me a while. I, so I, made did I. All, I made all the the same arguments that everybody else did, but Gorney brought me on the Tate Martell train, and we had him very highly ranked and thought he was going to be great in that Ohio State offense, perfect for it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not working out so well. Um, but when you say every quarterback's like Deshaun Watson, was he like that? Okay, you're, you're pointing out one or two guys. Was Kelly Bryant like that? Is, is, is he a snowflake? Yeah, is he a snowflake? Well, he's not good. Kelly Bryant's not good. He was like twenty six no. and one as a starter, and now no, he's going to lead Missouri. I, I could be twenty six and one with that Clemson team. <laughs> no, Come Trevor on. Lawrence isn't a snowflake, but is right. Justin Fields for transferring? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I so think any... so. Okay. Well, if you give up that quick, is Jake I... Fromm for is Jake Fromm for decommitting from Alabama no. to go to Georgia? No, decommitting doesn't make you a snowflake. Okay, but transferring does? Um, how about decommitting it twice and transferring? Oh, believe me, there there is no there is no justification for how Tate has handled Anything? this whole situation. What about uh, that direct message, remember? Uh, well, the do, do you A&M think quarterback's horrible? And... Did he call them ass? Yes, I wasn't going to use that word because that's a curse word. But you know, no, Gordy wants on. to bring this into the gutter. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think he's the only quarterback that has said disparaging comments about another quarterback at a school? I no, mean, I think he's my... the only one dumb enough to do it in a DM. Yeah, you could screenshot it. Oh, there's no doubt the kid's a prima donna. There's no doubt he he really thinks highly of himself, and a lot of people have filled him with those thoughts throughout the years. There's no doubt about it. But that does not mean that he's not a very talented quarterback. So why he's do people hate good. Tate versus Josh Rosen? You said there's different reasons. Because Tate comes off as he's the best quarterback in the entire world, and he deserves every starting job in the country, like when he said going to Texas A&M as a freshman starting would be easy. And people hate Josh Rosen because they think he's a know-it-all. Do you think it has anything to do with the glamour shots and all the model shots that Tate Martell put up on Twitter for years and years? Ha- absolutely, but but Tom Brady is married to a, the most popular supermodel in the world 
And he's he's a glamour model himself, so people should hate him just the same. He's not using if, filters, bro. If if for that reason. Look, I am not defending Tate Martell as not someone who thinks he's a good-looking kid who uh, feels good about himself and should be a starting quarterback somewhere. I'm saying as a football player, he's very, very talented. And I think preseason reaction to Tate Martell not getting the starting job, I think will change as the season goes along. Everyone sees Jaron Williams as average, and Tate Martell becomes the starting quarterback of that team. We're off to a good start, huh, Dave? Yeah, I like it. You like the saltiness? Do, do you think Tate Mar- Do you think Tate Martell's just not a good football player now? Do you think he just stopped being good? No, I think what gets in the way is his attitude and the feeling that he's owed something by the world. I agree with that. That is definitely true. And but I, where, why, but I want. But Mike, why do you think that? What makes you think he has that attitude? He's never said that he's owed anything. No, we 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 dealt behind the scenes many times with everybody. You know, who's been a part of the camps and the five star and all the other stuff, the quarterback challenge, all that stuff. And you know, as he got through the process when he was younger, he's very very. And Gordy, you can disagree with me if you want, but. He was not humble, but he was much more humble at the beginning of the process. Then he started winning, getting on television, um, and he changed, just changed. He became very thin-skinned, uh, very defensive, and he started, you know, making decisions that, you know, led me to believe that, you know, he, he just thought a lot of himself. I, I, I think that's definitely true, and I definitely don't think that plays into the fact of him being a good football player or not. I think your, your attitude can certainly have something to do with it. I, I think it can get in your way. I really do. No, I think I think it can too. I think it could rub coaches the wrong way. Um, I think that, that could Listen, also. we don't know. Last time we dealt with this kid was, what, three years ago? Yep, three years ago. He could be the most mature human being on earth. But there are things out there that he's put out that, that lead us to believe that, you know, that's part of the reason that's getting in his way. I think he's a talented kid. There's no doubt about it. We wouldn't have had him ranked so high despite the fact that he's short. You know, we thought he might be that next Johnny Manziel type. Yes. Um, who also has a horrendous attitude, who also couldn't get out of his own way and, you know, for different reasons was, was disliked by the world. But, but he but he had, like, an attitude that was almost bordering on illegal activity attitude, right? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a little different, yeah. I mean, it, with, the, with the whole money Manziel thing and all the flashiness and all that stuff, I mean, he was cocky as can be as well, you know? But, sure, Baker, Baker Mayfield was cocky. He was the number one pick in the, in the NFL draft, yeah. and people loved that cockiness. And he's, and he's doing well. Yeah. And it may, yeah. it may get in his way. It may not. We'll see. But uh, so when you know. so when Baker Mayfield and I'm not I'm not comparing. So let's not go there. But mm-hmm. when Baker Mayfield was a sophomore in college, he was a, 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 a previous walk on who had just transferred schools. So let's not write the Tate Martell book just yet. No, no, it's still early. But you know, most of the guys that are heading into the Hall of Fame or or who are recent Hall of Famers had a maturity about them. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this new age of, you know, the cocky quarterback is it's great, but we'll see if these guys pan out. I mean, you got Rosen, you got Mayfield, you got Martell, you got, you know, Manziel's already busted out. Um, there are others, but usually the quarterback position is a guy who's 
you know, not about just himself. It's about team and leadership and all that other stuff. And, and maybe he's about that, but we're going to see. I'll tell you, if he transfers, he's, he's not about the team. I will say I, I will say that as quarterback becomes more like point guard on a basketball floor than than anything else, point guards are the cockiest little <laughs> jerks on them. <laughs> Absolutely, so more so I than think, wide receivers. Uh, I I think so. Are so you, you get a little point bit guard of that. Yeah, yes, yes, I was. No, you were a shooting guard. Well, I had I moved my senior year to shooting guard because another point guard came in and we kind of split duties. You but, were like uh, a five foot four superstar at the small school level, right? <sighs> you know, let let's move on here. Gordon doesn't like the short jokes. <laughs> and speaking of looks, I was ready to do this one on camera. I'm feeling very very sexy, but yeah, Gordon was not camera ready. Apparently, yeah, so I, w- I wasn't ready. That's why you're not getting any eye candy today, all of our female listeners. There's <laughs> 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 oh, <boy. laughs> so billion of them. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I'm cracking myself up. All right, let's get to the rankings. See if anybody cares. I know, I know, Texas fans care because they got a running back up to five stars in Bijan Robinson, which we obviously we both loved him at the five star challenge, and think he yep. could be very, very good. Let me ask you this. Do you think he fits the Texas offense as well as he would have fit the Ohio State offense? Um, it's hard to say because, it, you know, Texas has used the kind of big that big back, but he's a kid who um, can definitely split out. And so if they have the Jordan Whittington type or the Ingram type and then a B. John Robinson, much like – Ohio State had Mike Weber, the more pounding type, and J.K. Dobbins, the more split-out type and catch passes. Um, I think he probably fits Ohio State's offense better um, just because they spread him out even more than anybody and get the ball in space. Uh, But I don't think he's going to be kind of in the wrong offense there with Jordan Whittington playing running back now but also being able to catch balls out of the backfield with Jake Smith a former running back, now wide receiver, and Bijan Robinson. It looks like Texas is kind of transitioning to having huge outside receivers and then guys in the slot or the backfield who can kind of do both. Yeah, and Tom Herman was, of course, in that Ohio State offensive coaching room. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the direction he wants to head with his offense and make it more versatile, and this is definitely a, a versatile kid. So um, I'm expecting a big year from Ingram and then – you know, Robinson obviously won't arrive until after his senior year next year, but I think he'll he'll be a tremendous compliment. The other new five stars, Noah Sewell. Uh, thinking about this the other day, Justin Flo's number three in the country. Sewell's now 15. Yeah. Both extremely rare inside linebackers. Yeah. Starting a team, which one would you take? I would still have to take Flo just because he is so productive. And, and I've written this a lot this week, and I will continue to write it. I've literally never seen him be bad at anything ever. Like he was, he was the probably the worst I've seen him was at the five star this year because just because he got beat maybe once or twice, thirty or forty yards down the field um, by this you know tiny little slot receivers, and that'll never happen in games. So. Um, he is so good in games. He's unbelievably productive. And even at like small seven on sevens that, you know, you drag yourself to at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, he uh, he brings it every time. He just wants to kill people every time he's on the field. And I would just 
I'd start him if if his position was more valuable in terms of a long term sense in NFL draft. It would be hard not to have him number one in the country. Yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion because the reason Noah Sewell was a five star and, and became a five star is because he's so rare athletically at his size. Yeah. But that was yeah. always flows, you know, calling card as well. So I, I think you know, we've gone from. Blow is a freak and one of the best inside linebackers we've ever seen to now he's got competition at his own position in his own class. Um, and I think Sewell should be utilized as a as a running back. I think he should be a Miles Jack type of player for somebody because we saw him take reps at running back, you know, running routes and, and, and all that at the five-star. And he's just a natural pass catcher, natural athlete. Yeah. The motor's there. How do you tackle Two hundred and sixty pounds, runner four or five downhill. So I'd like to see somebody utilize him a little bit in an offensive package as well. Whereas I don't think Flo could do that, um, but Flo's a, a more aggressive, harder hitter, uh, and just more of a natural linebacker right now. But those were the only two. I mean, we talked about a bunch of guys potentially moving to five stars, but didn't pull the trigger on on a lot of them, and you know different reasons i think the, the highest is marcus rosemi uh yeah. highest ranked four star uh i was ready for five um our florida guy rob wasn't you know and, and to his point separation is an issue with rosemi it's still he still doesn't get tremendous separation but man he's a guy who's going to be really good in that georgia offense and if you talk about some of the best hands in this class, and I'm, I've yet to see Julian Fleming in person, which is incredible, but I haven't. But uh, Rosemey made so many plays and so many catches and was so dominant at the five-star challenge that I'd be hard-pressed to think he wasn't one of the top three receivers in this country. We have, I believe, four five-stars. Um, so I think he's a little low. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, Tank Bigsby is going to be in the conversation as we go on here as a big pounding back. I love Philip Webb. I think Derek Wingo is going to be in the conversation. Um, G Scott has a possibility. So there's still a lot of room here, I think, for these 6.0s to move up. And then, and then one guy, as I looked at this top 10 and then I see Eric Gilbert at 11, I, I'm, I am really hard pressed to believe that there are 10 better football players with who project you know, higher than him. He, he was outstanding at the five-star before he kind of had a minor knee or uh, ankle injury. And at his size, for him to be able to play outside receiver or tight end, that's a college coach's dream. So uh, I, I think he's a kid who's going to end up in the top 10. And if I had to say that one kid was going to fall out, I think Savelle Smalls has a lot to prove heading into his senior season. Yeah, I like I like Smalls. I think he's versatile, and I think he could be a hybrid guy. And if he gets in the right defense, he's going to be very good. Miles Murphy's the one that worries me a little bit. Mm. Um, super talented kid, looks like a million bucks, but you know, again, I worry about his aggressiveness and and how physical he could play. Of course, I had the same concerns about a kid named Lillian Farrell a few years ago. <laughs> and he turned out to be what the number four pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. A nice start, and he went to Clemson, and they turned him into an animal. So they'll probably do the same thing with Miles Murphy. But there's a lot of guys on this list here that that I think have a lot to prove. Even the five stars, um, you know, yep. Kim, Kim Jarrett has two very big fans in our analyst group, and you know, 
some others don't believe he's dynamic enough or big enough to be a five-star wide receiver. So I think he's got some stuff to prove. Um, I think Kendall Milton has something to prove when it comes to speed. Uh, and then we've got the injured guys. You know, Mikhail Sherman's coming off an injury. The linebacker committed to Georgia. Antoine Sampla's coming off an injury. The linebacker committed to LSU. Miles Hinton's coming off an injury. Uh, Fred Davis, technique-wise, has a lot of work to do. So mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of room for shuffling as we get down the stretch here in 2020. But it's a really, really strong class. Yeah, I you know I think top end it's really really good six ones and six O's, very very good. It, there's a little bit of a drop off after that, but I think it's a very good class. I think positions that are really good are, and this is kind of the danger zone that we've talked about falling in love with these running backs this week. There's there's eight six six O's or six ones that's pretty high. The last time we did that, it kind of blew up in our face. There are nine six O's or six one at wide receiver, and there are 10 six O's or six ones at offensive tackle. So I think that's going to be a very interesting thing as we see Tosh Baker at the All-Star events, how good and how big is he legitimately you know, projecting long-term. And then I think we've had sort of a discussion over Paris Johnson and Tate Ratledge, number one at offensive tackle. Um, and I hope Andrew Gentry shows up somewhere because that kid on film is a monster. And I think uh, could be really, really special, um, especially if he ends up at Michigan, even if he takes um, his mission. So I think those three positions really, really stand out the most. So pull up the team rankings for me, would you? Okay. 2020 team rankings. I want you to pick a team in the top 10 that is not going to finish anywhere near close. Anywhere near, anywhere near, anywhere near. I got mine. And people are going to say, oh, you hate them. But uh, uh, is is Michigan your team? Mine's Miami. Oh, Miami, okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. 23 commits, 3.48 average star ranking. Yeah. I think they're going to probably finish in the, in the you know, 13 to 15 range. Right. Uh, maybe even lower than that. Yeah, I could certainly see it. I mean, their star, their average star ranking is low. So they're going to drop. Their class is almost full, and they have only 11, you know, less than half of their class. There's four stars with no five stars. So as you look at Texas with only 15 commits, even if they're going to take a small class, or Florida, Penn State still has some room. Um, Oklahoma only has 15 commits, 10 or four stars already. You see teams that are going to climb up these rankings, and, and somebody's going to have to fall. So... Uh, yeah, and I look at the, the players committed to Miami, and there aren't that many on the cusp of big moves up. Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean it's a bad class, but it just sort of stands out to me. Now, pick a class outside the top 20 that's going to move way up. That's going to move way up. USC, once uh, Urban Meyer is hired, will move way up. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to be hired. No, already the, 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 the rumors are floating around. Who would they hire if they didn't hire Urban Meyer, though? See, that's tough because you have to ask a question. Okay, Lynn Swan, it looks like he's going to be fired at some point during the season. We'll pave way to firing Clay Helton. And so then what does USC need? Does USC need a Pete Carroll type where everybody in Los Angeles is on the sidelines and everybody's in the locker room and it feels like a pro city again, even though the Rams are here and the Chargers are here? 
Or do you need like a disciplinarian who's no nonsense? What, what do you need to succeed at USC? Because it's not exactly like the talent isn't there. It's just once they get there, they feel like they've already made it. And then they get run off the field by Utah, who's no nonsense. Yeah. I, you know, I think you need a Pete Carroll, though. You need somebody who's going to recruit nationally, who's going to be a tremendous recruiter, who's going to yeah. bring in talent from all over the country and also sell that swagger. You know, I remember yeah. the USC official visit used to be a big deal. And when they'd offer a kid out east, it was a big deal. And now, you know, it, it just seems to have fallen off where it's not an exciting offer for kids, especially on the East Coast. Um, and they need somebody who's going to come in and change that. I don't know who that is. I mean, Urban Meyer obviously would do that. But if they don't get Urban Meyer, who the heck, you know, Jack Del Rio or something? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't see, you know, unless they hire somebody away, uh, you know, but away has to be a big hire, like a, like a Jimbo away from Florida State type of thing. Right. You know, we're not talking about a, a Campbell at Iowa State or somebody like that. That's not going to that's not gonna move it. And and their last few hires have been very pedestrian. So sure. they need to oh, make a oh, absolutely. huge splash with this hire. Um, but right now, I mean, they're behind Western Michigan. Yeah, they're 65th in the country. They have 10 commits and two or four stars. It's unbelievable some of, some of the uh, commitments they have and some of the evaluations that they're doing. And it's just... Very odd. Now, again, we don't claim to know more than college football coaches, but it's our job to pick things apart. If I'm a USC fan, I'm like, this can't get over fast enough. Yeah. What what exactly is going on? Yeah, we got to get this guy out of here. So, yeah. What else is going on in college football? I'm trying to find a name that would be interesting for for the USC job. For the USC job? Yeah. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, does not fit with the culture at all. I know. It wouldn't happen anyway. What about James Franklin? I don't know if I'd take that. Yeah. I, think he, I mean, as, as, as much criticism as he gets at Penn State, I think he's pretty happy there. Did you see Gundy, hire... turn, Gundy turn down the, the Tennessee job three times? <laughs> three times. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of it's... Um, posturing and sure you know getting your agent to get your name out there to get raises and stuff like that but um, man that that's just that just speaks to some of these coaching searches that Tennessee's gone through I mean I remember when Bush Jones was hired they they went through first of all of course the Gruden rumors but then they, you know Charlie Strong was mentioned and some other guys were mentioned and, and then this last one where they ended up with Jeremy Pruitt, there must have been at least six coaches uh, mentioned or offered the job. Yeah, so yeah. That's going to be an interesting program to follow because I think recruiting is going okay there. I, you know, I, I, I like the class. I like the fact that they're they're in it. Um, you know, B.J. Ogilary could end up committing there shortly. Uh, they're in it for Eric Gilbert. Yeah. You know, they could flip Rakeem Jarrett. Um, you know, obviously Grimes is a local kid that they're in it for as well. So I think they're the team that I look at that's outside the top 25 that could make a big push aside from USC um, mm-hmm. if they have a good season. The problem is I don't know if they're going to have a good season. I mean, that team 
it doesn't look very good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anything matters until they have clarity on their coaching search. And I asked a, the father of a committed player. Talk about USC. You, yeah, yeah. Would you rather uh, know sooner or later on? Would you rather you even though your son is committed there? Would you rather have the team completely be awful this season just so you have clarity? And uh, it, it sparked an interesting conversation about yeah, sort of yes, like we would rather that than have something held over our heads for the next three or four years. Because if they go eight and four this year, then it's lukewarm support and they have a new AD and then they go six and six his freshman year. Now there's a new coach and you know how that goes for two, two or three years. So it's almost like this 2020 class First of all, USC does not aggressively recruit the top players in Southern California. I mean, that's the first thing, which is so weird because out here it's so loaded this year. But secondly, I mean, when kids are – I understand kids going to Clemson if there's some sort of connection there. But DJ Lele had absolutely no connection there, and USC hardly recruited him. They hardly recruited Kayvon Thibodeau. Now – uh, how do you explain that? Like, how is that possible to happen? So I think I think a lot of kids are just waiting to see who gets hired. If that happens, you'll see a lot of flipping late, and you'll see the 2021 class load back up into USC because people will start believing in them, in them again. But right now, no one believes in them. Even kids that visit who are local kids who have grown up watching them, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to look at Georgia, Alabama, Clemson instead of, uh, instead of USC. I wonder whose father that was who spoke to there are many committed players in the 2020 class. Hmm. You see Jaden Daniels as a starter at Arizona State? Not surprised at all. He's right. very, very good. He is going to be good. Do they have the the talent around him, though, for the long term? I mean, I know they got you know, Benjamin in the backfield, and you know they lost to Kim Perry, but they have some talented wide receivers. But do you think they're going to be able to surround him with enough talent for them to make a run? Yeah, that's going to be a question. I don't think that they have uh, enough to make a run at the division title, but they could be a 9-3 and three kind of football team, I think. I think Jane Daniels fits perfectly. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards talks about ball control, and they're going to give, you know, Benjamin the ball a lot this year, which actually probably is going to help Jane Daniels just get more, much more comfortable in that in that offense. Um, they have some playmakers, you know, Frank Darby, the Brandon A. kid. Um, they have some playmakers on the outside, so – I think they're going to I think Jane Daniels is most comfortable in a fast spread offense where he could just dump it off and throw it all around, move down the field and keep going, but he's he's a really really talented kid. I think he's going to do well there. You want to hear something funny? Sure. They have not named a starter at Oklahoma yet. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh they haven't named it at USC either, but uh one would believe JT Daniels would would win that job. Uh, I, I should move Jalen Hurts down in my fantasy rankings then if, if we're to believe Lincoln Riley. Right. I mean, I think there's a 100% chance that Jalen Hurts is not only going to be the starter there, but he's going to be a Heisman finalist just to, based on that offense and, and the things that he, that he can do. Trevor is going to win the Heisman, of course, but I, I think uh, Tua, Jalen Hurts from, you know, it's going to be a quarterback festival uh, this year for the Heisman with no. What about Eno? What about Jonathan Eno Taylor? Have a chance. Jonathan Taylor doesn't have a chance. None of them have a chance. They're all going to be overshadowed. You know, all these guys, unless somebody puts up like twenty three hundred yards or something ridiculous, um, 
you know, they're going to be a distant fifth, sixth, seventh on the list, I think. It's just so quarterback heavy this year. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, quarterback transfers, Hertz is the guy I think is going to have the biggest national impact. Um, but who's the guy that, that is being overlooked right now, you know, that, that is going to be a new starter coming from a different team? I think we both have the same answer. Hold on, I need to look at the list. Hold on, I just don't want to miss anyone obvious. Oh, there's a list of twenty here. This is this is a lot. There's a billion of them. Who's wait? What's your question? I wasn't paying attention because I was thinking oh, about finding the list. My God, <laughs> Dave, can you, can you take control? Who's what? Who's what? Where? <laughs> so. Which which transfer quarterback aside from Jalen Hurts is going to make the biggest national impact? Justin Fields. See, I disagree. So we do have a different guy, and I think you're going to Jacob Eason. Very good pick. Thank you. Everybody's picking Fields. Everybody's looking at Hurts. Those teams are certainly going to be in the in the mention for the playoff, but Washington is going to be in the mention. For the playoff as well. You just watch. Here's what I love about Eason, and that's a very good pick. The offensive line, especially in the Pac-12, they're all over 300 pounds. They're massive. They're going to give Eason a lot of time to just sit back there. Now, I question Washington's wide receiving core. They're not the best in the in the business, but uh, I think Eason is very very talented. I think he. I don't think he got an unfair shake at Georgia. But he certainly didn't get the fairest shake in the whole in the history of the game. So I think he's a kid now back in the Pac-12 who's going to be able to put up big numbers uh, behind a huge offensive line. And I just hope Chris Peterson does doesn't run the ball behind that offensive line and try to play ball control with him because I think that kid is really really good. And which of the transfer quarterbacks is going to be a massive disappointment? Uh, uh, massive disappointment. Does Alex Hornibrook at Florida State count? That doesn't count. No, not at all. <laughs> we all know why he's a lefty, first of all. Secondly, he's no arm. You know, one that I think has it falls into the danger zone a little bit is Austin Kendall at West Virginia. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. It's not Dana Holgerson anymore. So I think that's an interesting one to watch. I think, uh, I think Wimbush. Wimbush at UCF could be interesting. I just, you know, that kid, I watched him every year of his high school football career go from a kid with a strong arm who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn to becoming a pretty accurate dual threat quarterback with, with that cannon of an arm and then just regress and lose all his confidence in Notre Dame. And, and I'm yeah. just curious if he's going to be able to get that back. I think Kendall will be a good fit for West Virginia, and I think it's really hard for a West Virginia quarterback to have struggles in that system. Um, if it's the same system, it'll be the same system. Will Greer and Austin Kendall have the same skill set? Yeah, there's really not a difference. Will Jalen Hurts make it back to back to back? Oklahoma number one quarterbacks taken? No, not a not a million <laughs> billion <laughs> chances that's going to happen. Is He's, he a first rounder though? No, absolutely not. Not even close. Because mm. of the yeah. downfield accuracy issues, it's just not going to be able to to sell that so 
Um, okay, more touchdown passes this year. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. And he's going to be out of a lot of games in the third quarter, but he's still going to put up better numbers. Even if ATN and Lynn J. Dixon score a lot on the ground? Yeah, I still think Lawrence is going to put up some are pretty monster numbers. And I believe See, in Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to be very good at Ohio State, and I believe in Ryan Day as a developer of quarterbacks. I've, I've known him for a very long time. I've seen him do very good work with quarterbacks um, you know, prior to Haskins, but I don't think, I think that offense is going to be much, much more balanced um, than people expect. I think Fields is going to run a lot. I think they're going to use all their weapons you know, in the running game, um, you know, and, and I don't think he's going to just be able to pass for as many touchdowns. Yeah, that's why I love Tua this year. And if you're playing college fantasy football, uh, he should be one of your top picks. And and because, first of all, Alabama feels embarrassed after last year. So Saban is going to completely obliterate teams this year. He's got the best wide receiving core in the country. And I think they're just going to put up huge numbers on offense. He's not coming out of the game until at least middle of the fourth quarter. I think Alabama's coming to make a statement this year. And there's a lot of feel good about Clemson and Trevor Lawrence and stuff. But, um, you know, I and they're going to they're going to, uh, you know, obliterate teams, too. I mean, they're 36 point favorites in a conference opener uh, season opener in a couple weeks. Um, and I think they're going to put up big numbers, too. But I, I, I think. Tua could put up just massive numbers that almost force you to give him the Heisman. See, I might argue that Clemson has an equal set of wide receivers to Alabama. It's close. It's certainly close, and especially with those freshmen coming in and not Nagata has been very good apparently. And, but you got Higgins and Ross who are both and freaks. Ross. Oh yeah, absolutely, no doubt Versus about it. Judy and um, Rugs Smith Waddle. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a I little, mean, they're a little bit deeper. Yeah. I guess Tua would be the favorite to pick when you're talking about putting up big monster numbers this year. Yeah. And he's projected to go number one in the draft, of course, because there are yeah. draft projections out there. Did you see who uh, number two and three are? I did not see the projections yet. And are, are we doing a preseason NFL look, uh, Mike? Or we should we? I don't know. Okay. It's, it, there's many things to be decided. I just signed us up for like 25 <laughs> articles this morning, by the way. <laughs> Great. Just, just to let you know, without even asking you, without even... Yeah, you need even, to clear these things through my office because... No, uh, no, no. Your, your kid's in preschool now. You're all set. She's in there two days a week for three hours a day. That's plenty of time. So she's starting... Should we have Alexa at home? And she's starting to want to listen to... Uh, you know all kinds of songs on there and we had to put her on a timeout the other day because she was being a bad girl and she said alexa open door i saw that on facebook <laughs> i almost liked it do, do you stalk my wife on facebook i mean seriously do you no they just come up on my feed a lot i don't know why because i don't communicate with your wife Be, because you follow her so often you've you've that that's the algorithm I don't I'm questioning know. It things just comes now. Up, but I was I almost liked it and then I almost commented shut up and get to work. And then I decided to do neither of them. You know, I That's just, probably best. I just let it go. Like you're done with one, right? You're not having another kid. Yeah. There there is a, a second attempt, let's say. Oh god, there's absolutely no way on earth you're <laughs> Right, Dave? 
What do you mean, right, Dave? He surprised me before. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even think about the ramifications of the right Dave there. Oh, Dave, no. Uh-oh. Who's second and third on the list? <laughs> Jerry Judy's number two and Grant Delpit, who I loved out oh, of high yes. school, who I should have made a five-star. He's my Todd Gurley. Stupid mistake. Rob didn't like him enough at IMG, and I was like, oh, gosh. And I, I wrote an article right after signing day that he was one of the kids that we, we screwed up on. Yeah. You can go yeah. find it on Rivals. But Grand Delta's a freak. So Who's four and five? Well, I'm trying to get into it, but um, but ESPN wants my login information. Mm, I don't know. The tricky that. subscription business. Yeah, I got like, I don't know, 50 logins. It should save it, shouldn't it? It should, but if you ever clear your history for any reason on your computer, and I don't know any possible reason why you would ever have to do that, Mike, but um, uh, that would probably... <laughs> so you mean deleting my browser history every hour um, would affect them saving my... Yes, it could. Oh. And I don't know from experience, but that's what I've heard. Oh, they sent they sent something to me. So talk while I get the code. Hold on. You're trying to reset the password. Is that what you're trying to do? What the heck? They're sending it to a hotmail address. I don't have a hotmail address. You must. Yeah. It's oh. your secret email. It's your secret email. What the hell? I'm not going to be able to get in here. Just, just do what it? everyone else does and just type in whatever it is and then Reddit and then they've cut and pasted it on Reddit. Oh, that's true. I don't, no, I don't want to. I don't want to bypass the paywall. I mean, that's just crap. Let me bypass the paywall. Hold on. I don't even know what you're looking for. I'm not. I'm hardly paying attention at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I think we're, we're losing still... listeners at the by the second here. <laughs> you're still shook up by the right Dave comment. <laughs> all right it's not working forget it let's end this crap okay nobody all right. nobody cut and pasted it so forget it i think 30 minutes is a good time for this too we went 45 but i think we should do shorter podcasts so if anybody has any comments on that just hit me up at rivals mike on uh, twitter all right, yeah, let's remind everybody it would really help us out trying to breathe some new life into this podcast. If you could oh, leave us a review, that really life. helps and, and give us a like. Yes. So, all right, well, I'll just remind everybody of our Twitter handles at Rivals Mike, at Adam Gorney, and at Real Dave Barry. We will see everybody again next week.